Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello and welcome back to Pro-Life Primetime News. We were unable to be with you last week because Hurricane Nicole knocked out power in our studio. We're glad to be back. Today is Friday, November 18th. I'm Leslie Palma. And I'm Anthony Vassone, in for Teresa Watson. In our top story tonight, we will give you the recap of the elections and discuss President Trump's not-so-surprising announcement. I'll tell you about all the abortion-related headlines in the news this week. I'll be taking you on the road with Priests for Life, and Leslie and I will share a gut-wrenching story about a Canadian man who is truly fighting for his life. I'll report on a group of pro-lifers demanding justice from the Department of Justice, and Anthony will end the show with a report on another successful campaign from 40 Days for Life. Please stay tuned. More than a week after Election Day, a race called in California for incumbent Republican Congressman Mike Garcia on Wednesday made it official that the balance of power in the U.S. House of Representatives has shifted from the Democrats to the GOP. Garcia became the 218th Republican elected in the midterms. That's the magic number needed for either party to become the majority. The number of Republican representatives could grow as there are still several uncalled races. With a pro-life Republican majority, the Democrats will not be able to pass the extreme Women's Health Protection Act, which would bring back legal abortion on the national level and go way beyond Roe, making the procedure legal through all nine months of pregnancy and forcing U.S. taxpayers to foot the bill. Even Joe Biden accidentally conceded that the Democrats are powerless, telling reporters at a press conference in Indonesia that, I don't think they can expect much of anything other than we're going to maintain our positions. I'm not going to get into any more questions. I shouldn't even answer your question. The House will now have the votes to pass a bill introduced in that chamber by New Jersey Representative Chris Smith that would protect babies in the womb from 15 weeks on. Other bills that have languished under Democrat control also could be reintroduced in the 118th Congress, including one that would mandate life-saving emergency care for newborn survivors of abortion. Those bills will not pass the Senate. More on that in a moment. The other big election news this week came from the Mar-a-Lago Resort in Palm Beach, Florida, where former President Donald Trump on Tuesday announced he will seek re-election in 2024. Here's a look at that announcement that was broadcast by our friends at Right Side Broadcasting. In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United States. return Trump to the White House, he will be only the second U.S. president to serve non-consecutive terms. In 1888, President Grover Cleveland lost his re-election bid to Benjamin Harrison, but four years later, Cleveland beat Harrison, making Cleveland both the 22nd and 24th U.S. presidents. Biden has announced his intention to run, but said he has not yet made a final decision. That should come early in 2023. But despite not knowing who will be at the top of the ticket, the Democratic National Committee is sending media relations staff to Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina, and Florida to prepare for the 2024 election. The DNC has never sent media staff to states this early in the game. Let's return to the 2022 elections, where there is still much to be decided. The U.S. Senate still has two open races, though neither will return control of that chamber to the Republicans. In Georgia, Democrat incumbent Raphael Warnock 
will face Republican challenger Herschel Walker in a December 6th runoff after neither candidate received the required 50% of the vote. In Alaska, votes continue to be counted in the race between the pro-abortion incumbent Lisa Murkowski and her pro-life challenger Kelly Shabaka. Under the state's very confusing ranked-choice voting system, since neither of the frontrunners crossed the 50% threshold, the votes received by the other two candidates will be allocated to the candidate chosen second. Those votes will be tabulated November 23rd. The midterms did not result in the red wave so many had predicted, but Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life, pointed out that the goal of millions of pro-life Americans was to ensure the Democrats would no longer have full control of Washington, and that goal was achieved. The icing on the cake, he said, was that we fired Nancy Pelosi. Abortion up to 22 weeks is again legal in Georgia after a state judge overturned the heartbeat law that protects babies from about six weeks gestation. Fulton County Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney wrote that two major sections of Georgia's 2019 abortion law were plainly unconstitutional when drafted and therefore void. The case is expected to be appealed to ultimately make its way to the Georgia Supreme Court. In Texas, the Bear County Commissioners passed the Individual Rights to Health Care Resolution on Wednesday, aiming to stop local law enforcement from investigating and prosecuting Texas laws that ban almost all abortions. I just do not see the justice in prosecuting somebody for making such a decision that's so personal to them, said District Attorney Joe Gonzalez. I don't see the justice in prosecuting agencies and medical care providers that provide that assistance. What the DA and Bear County Commissioners are really saying is that they don't see justice in enforcing the laws of their state. The city of San Antonio, which is within Bear County, approved a similar resolution this past summer. Also in Texas, a jury has indicted a Houston lawyer for allegedly spiking his wife's drinks with abortion pills. Mason Herring was indicted on two felony counts. The couple was separated when Herring's wife told him she was pregnant. Shortly afterward, he began visiting her in her home, bringing her drinks of cloudy water and insisting she stay hydrated. She drank one glass of water and became ill, but did not lose her baby. She then set up a camera that allegedly caught Herring in the act of pouring a powdery substance into a glass of water and then bringing it to his wife. Authorities say the wife also found misoprostol tablets in the garbage. The drug is one of two used in chemical abortion and can be used on its own. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops this week elected Archbishop Thomas Broglio as its new president. The Archbishop, who leads the Archdiocese for Military Services, and Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, who will serve as vice president, have both taken strong positions against abortion. The bishops also elected Bishop Michael Burbridge of Arlington, Virginia, as the new chairman of the conference's pro-life committee. Bishop Burbridge was one of a handful of bishops who officially support denying communion to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who claims to be a devout Catholic despite being an ardent abortion supporter. Oklahoma City Archbishop Paul Coakley was elected secretary of the conference. Earlier this year, he applauded San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordelion's decision to deny com communion to Pelosi. New Jersey Democrats want to enshrine abortion rights in the state constitution with the goal of putting the measure on the ballot next year when all 120 state legislators will be up for re-election. As noted by Politico, abortion rights are unlikely to be threatened in New Jersey anytime soon. State courts have long protected the right to abortion, and in January 2022, Governor Phil Murphy signed the Freedom of Reproductive Choice Act, which enshrined existing case law into statute. And finally, the Kentucky Supreme Court heard oral arguments Tuesday in a case that will decide whether most abortions will remain illegal in the state. EMW Women's Surgical Center in Louisville wants the court to put a temporary block on the law that bans all abortion except those necessary to save the, the mother's life. If the court decides to temporarily block the law while the legal challenge continues, a 15-week law would remain in effect. 
Voters in Kentucky last week rejected a ballot amendment that would have added text to the state constitution saying there is no right to abortion in the state. And that's abortion in the news. Priest for Life wants you to come with us on the road as we minister to the pro-life movement nationwide. We hope it inspires and encourages you as much as the events themselves inspire and encourage us. Father Frank Pavone spoke about the post-Roe game plan at the Davies Martin and Pike County Right to Life Banquet last month in Odin, Indiana. He was hosted by pro-life leader Louis Cavanaugh and met up with some of his brother priests from the Diocese of Evansville and the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. They are very enthusiastic about our work at Priest for Life. Father Dennis Wilde, the Associate Director of Priest for Life, traveled to Bel Air, Maryland, where he was the guest speaker at St. Margaret Catholic Church. Father Dennis enjoyed his time with the parishioners and even blessed them with his amazing talent as a pianist. Father Dennis also visited the family of pro-life activist Mark Hawk in rural Pennsylvania, home to celebrate Mass last month. Father Dennis is a family friend of the Hawks. On September 23rd, the FBI sent dozens of heavily armed agents to the home, arresting Hawk on charges related to a protest in front of a Philadelphia Planned Parenthood killing center a year ago. Hawk's wife, Ryan Marie, and seven children were home and watched as federal agents took Mark into custody in what his attorney has called an obscene show of force. Mark has pled not guilty to charges that he violated the freedom of access to clinic entrances law. The day after Father Dennis visited, the family hosted German Cardinal Gerhard Muller, Prefect Emeritus for the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. Dr. Teresa Burke, founder of Rachel's Vineyard and pastoral associate of Priests for Life, spoke at the Fall 2022 Catholic Convention sponsored by University of Delaware's St. Thomas More Oratory at the University in Newark, Delaware. Teresa spoke with John Newman and met with Kate, an abortion survivor. Kevin Burke, co-founder of Rachel's Vineyard and pastoral associate of Priests for Life, attended the celebration of the 25th anniversary of Rachel's Vineyard retreats in the Archdiocese of Newark, New Jersey on October 28th. Kevin spent time with Respect Life Director Cheryl Riley and Father Charles Kelly, a Rachel's Vineyard priest and homilist at the 25th anniversary Mass. Earlier this month, Brian Kemper, Priest for Life Director of Street Activism and Youth Outreach, was one of the keynote speakers at the 40 Days for Life closing rally in Dayton, Ohio. Father Frank Pavone was at a 40 Days closing rally in Forest Park, Georgia. Thanks for joining us on the road. Roger Foley, a Canadian man who suffers from cerebellar ataxia, a disease that attacks the brain and muscles, alleges in a lawsuit that healthcare workers at the government-affiliated Victoria Hospital in London, Ontario, Canada, encouraged him to end his life rather than rack up a costly medical bill. Foley does not want to die, but he claims the Canadian government is encouraging him to end it all. I've been pressured to do an assisted suicide, he told the New York Post. Here's a video from 2018 when a hospital employee suggested Foley could apply for an assisted suicide. We begin tonight with an awkward conversation captured on an audio recording in a renowned Ontario hospital. Not just uncomfortable, but deeply disturbing. A terminally ill man fighting to live was instead given the option on how to die. As CTV's medical specialist Avis Favreau reports, the entire exchange was triggered over a demand for better home care. Roger Foley went from being active and healthy 
to disabled and helpless because of a rare neurological disease. For the past two and a half years, he's been in hospital in London, Ontario, part of a health care standoff. He wants assisted home care. Instead, he says he's being offered a medically assisted death. I have not received the care that I need to relieve my suffering and only been offered assisted dying. And Foley is releasing audio tapes he took of what he says are two health care workers who keep raising that option when he talks about getting home care teams of his choosing. If I had self-directed funding, then I'd be fine. But, but if you weren't, you, just, you can just apply to get a, a assisted if you want it to end your life. Like, you know, I mean, you don't have to do it in some dramatic manner. You can apply for assisted, you know, in the second, Foley is told he will be charged more than $1,500 a day if he doesn't go home, with the suggestion he can apply for the right to die. What's the plan that you know of? Roger, I, this is not my show. I told you my piece of this was mm -hmm. to talk to you about if you had interest in assisted dying. In essence, the tape speaks about encouraging him um, or asking him if he's interested in assisted dying rather than working with him to provide the services that he needs. Foley and his lawyer recently filed a landmark lawsuit asking for the right to choose his home care team, but the case is moving slowly. So it's clear as a lawyer that the safeguards are not uh, sufficient to protect Canadians and something needs to be done. You've already This ethicist reviewed the audio clips. Sad and shocking. Tom Koch also worries that with growing pressure on health budgets, discussions like this may become more common. When the issue of the care of the fragile becomes simply a matter of financial expediency, when we're given the option of a rapid death rather than a complex life, then we are all at risk. Now, remember, the excerpts were provided by Roger Foley himself and were obviously part of a longer conversation, but they do raise troubling questions about whether there is a system in place to offer patients the help they need to live, Lisa, rather before they're offered the right to die. It is so unsettling, Avis, but there must be guidelines. Well, the guidelines that we found say that patients have to volunteer for assisted death and that there should be no external pressure. Um, was there pressure put on here? Certainly Certainly Mr. Foley feels that way. So there's, the audio is obviously damning. What is the hospital saying? Well, we know that the hospital officials have had the tapes for about two weeks, and Mr. Foley and his lawyer haven't heard anything. We asked for a statement, and we've not heard back. All right, we'll stick with this then. Avis, thanks for this tonight. Assisted suicide has been legal in Canada since 2016. According to Forbes, Canada leads the world in assisted suicides with 10,064 in 2021, as compared to 7,666 in the Netherlands. 81% of global requests for medically induced deaths were honored in Canada. Tim Stanton, director of the Canadian Institute for Inclusion and Citizenship at the University of British Columbia, described the law as probably the biggest existential threat to disabled people since the Nazis program in Germany in the 1930s. The pro-euthanasia group Dying with Dignity says euthanasia procedures are driven by compassion, an end to suffering and discrimination, and a desire for personal autonomy. But human rights advocates argue that legalized euthanasia has gone too far in Canada claiming that safeguards are missing, that suicidal measures are being suggested to people who would not consider it on their own, and that people with no other options are being euthanized. 
Foley's current medical status requires the use of a Hoyer lift, machinery that hoists him into a sitting position and helps him maneuver around. Foley cannot operate this himself, nor is he able to feed himself or to even take a spoonful of medicine on his own. He claims that for a period of time, the hospital did not provide a Hoyer lift or personnel to operate it. I almost died because I could not have food or water for days, Foley said. If I can't sit up, I can't swallow food without choking. In a lawsuit he has filed, he references the defendants denying him food and water and failing to provide him with the necessities of life and endangering his life by making him criti critically acidotic, a condition in which there is too much acid in bodily fluids. Foley told the New York Post that there is pressure on disabled people who should be treated equally and celebrated for their strength and diversity and difference. Society deems us better off dead. We have to justify being alive and to pro-euthanasia contingents, our lives don't matter. We will have more on this story and others from Canada in the coming weeks. On Tuesday, national pro-life leaders converged in front of the Department of Justice building in Washington, D.C., demanding to know what the department is doing to investigate and prosecute those responsible for more than 100 attacks on pregnancy centers, pro-life offices, and churches since May, when the Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade was leaked to the media. Brian Kemper, Priest for Life Youth Director and the new Director of Street Activism, represented our organization and spoke at the We Will Not Be Silenced rally. Law enforcement has been notably silent about the attacks, which have included firebombings and other acts of vandalism. A group calling itself Jane's Revenge has claimed credit for many of the attacks, but no details have ever emerged about the shadowy organization that leaves ominous messages hinting at violence to come. This week's protest was organized by the Stanton Public Policy Center Purple Sash Revolution, whose leader Brandy Swindell said pregnancy centers run by Stanton Healthcare have been among those targeted by violent pro-abortion extremists. Ms. Swindell said the recent arrests of pro-life activists that have seen heavily armed FBI agents dragging people away from their homes in front of their children provide a stark contrast to what seems to be the FBI's hands-off approach to investigating pro-abortion activists who have committed crimes. Like so many other centers, Ms. Swindell said, Stanton had to spend thousands of dollars to hire private security firms to protect our clients and staff from firebombing, vandalism, death threats, and other acts of violence. Yet not one arrest has been made to stop this violence, while scores of peaceful pro-life advocates are being arrested. Just hours before the Tuesday protest in front of DOJ, the FBI put out a statement saying it will offer a $25,000 reward for help identifying suspects who firebombed the Compass Care Pregnancy Center in Buffalo, New York in June. Ms. Swindell called the gesture too little too late and said it is also shameful for the nation's most prestigious law enforcement agency with a budget in the billions to offer citizens money to do the job they are refusing to do. Tina Whittington, Executive Vice President of Students for Life, attended the protest carrying boxes full of Freedom of Information requests aimed at finding out what the Department of Justice has done so far to investigate the attacks. Here's what Tina had to say. So we are here together, Students for Life America and Students for Life Action, to deliver the Department of Justice FOIA request that you, the pro-life generation, and our supporters have signed. We're here to deliver them and let the Department of Justice know that we want them to release the records of everything they've done um, to research or not research what's been happening at pro-life um, facilities, uh, pregnancy centers have been firebombed. Um, pro-life speech is free speech, and we want to make sure that our pro-life people get equal justice under law.
502 babies were saved during the recently concluded 40 Days for Life campaign, the first one since Roe v. Wade was overturned. Sean Carney, president and CEO, said his campaign was the largest ever with pro-lifers in 622 cities across the globe praying outside abortion businesses. As the campaign was ongoing, 12 abortion businesses closed their doors forever and six abortion workers left their jobs in the industry. The abortion-friendly media likes to report on pro-lifers yelling at women and calling them baby killers as they head into abortion facilities, and maybe some of that does go on. But people who sign up to be part of 40 Days, Li 40 Days Vigils are peaceful and prayerful witnesses who, as you saw in the video clip, seem to radiate joy. 40 Days is headquartered in a former Planned Parenthood killing center in Bryan, Texas. The first campaign took place in 2007, and since then, more than 1,000 cities in 65 countries have been home to 40-day vigils, with 22,289 babies saved from abortion. The pro-life movement is winning in the grassroots against a top-heavy abortion industry that is weak in the grassroots, Sean said. We're winning. The next campaign will take place in the spring of 2023. Thank you so much for joining us on Pro-Life Primetime News, produced at Priest for Life headquarters in Titusville, Florida. We hope you will join us every Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. We hope you will support this show and all of our broadcasts, including Just Ask Janet, our daily masses, and Father Frank's broadcasts by making a donation to ProLifeGift.org. These donations help fund all of our work here at Priest for Life, which enables us to continue educating, equipping, and activating the pro-life community to end abortion. Do you have an idea for a story? Are you someone whose baby was saved because of the help of a sidewalk counselor? Would you like to expose something in the abortion industry? Then please email us at media at priestsforlife.org. Be sure to join us next Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time as we continue to bring you all of the pro-life news you need to know. I'm Leslie Palma, Communications Director. And in for Teresa Watson, I'm Anthony Vassone, Resource Associate. Remember, life is the only choice. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.